Hey, it's Amber Smith. Welcome to the Conscious Coach Podcast. All right, you guys, welcome back to the series Meet My Mentor. Today we're talking about Napoleon Hill. And most of you will have heard of the book Think and Grow Rich. And that's, that's actually not the, top, the book that I'm going to be talking about today. I'm going to be talking about two of my favorite books by Napoleon Hill. He's wrote a lot of success books. In fact, he I feel like he's like the grandfather of success books <laughs> um, because he, um, he went out and studied really famous people, really successful people, and basically consolidated the information that he found into books and he's got some powerful, powerful principles in there that I'm going to talk about. Um, there's two books that I'm going to be talking about today. One is The Master Key to Riches and Outwitting the Devil. And I'm going to start with Master Key to Riches because he shares just some really powerful principles of success. And you're going to notice that a lot of who you study, um, you've heard these ideas before, but the way that Napoleon Hill teaches them is so succinct and direct that you're going to see like he is the source of a lot of the, the information and principles that a lot of other people have embodied and um, learned in their own way. And so I highly recommend you check him out. But here we go. This is this is what I've learned from him. Um, so the first thing that I really learned from him was the definiteness of purpose. And if you're in the matrix, you know that I had you choose a definiteness of purpose a few months ago. Um, and to me, definiteness of purpose is what most people are afraid of choosing. So he talks about definiteness of purpose being very specific. It's like a specific thing that you're working towards. And you hold the vision, the, the specific declaration in your mind. So this would be like... I'm going to be an author and speak on the stage to millions of people. Um, I'm going to be a coach with thousands of people in my membership program. I'm going to be a coach and I'm going to charge $100,000 per year and work with celebrities and athletes. <laughs> Those are just a few of ideas that came to my head. But the point is, is that you have a singular focus and it's clear and it's um, specific. And a lot of people never get there because they're not familiar and intimate with their desires. And so what this really taught me in, in learning this principle is that you have to spend time actually articulating what you want. He says that people who are successful had a definite purpose and they moved towards it, whatever it took. And they just kept going and they just kept going. And so one of the things I'm going to encourage you to do is think about your definite purpose and what what is the result that you're working to. And even if you don't have the clear picture, so one of the things that I want to offer is that I don't necessarily have a clear picture, but I do have a feeling of what I want. I do have a, 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 a vision, an experience that comes to my mind when I think about what I want for the future. And I've broken that down. So what I told the people in the matrix is like, I want 50 people in there. That is my definite major purpose that I'm working towards right now, because I have a dream of thousands of people. I have a dream of impacting a lot of people with my work. And so I moved towards that and 50 felt like a step in the right direction. So yes, it's scary. One of the things that I think most people are afraid of declaring something that they want is because it exposes you to vulnerabilities. It exposes you to disappointment. And so we, we resist declaring something, but I love what Napoleon Hill teaches about definite major purpose is like, it's a very clear directive and they, he encourages you to write it down and look at it every single day. The next thing he talks about is the habit of going the extra mile, which I love because in today's world where a lot of people are trying to do as little as they can and get paid the most 
I'm sure you guys have experienced this. I know I have. Um, going the habit of the extra mile, like, or the habit of going the extra mile is a beautiful way of living your life, of just serving and serving and serving in a positive attitude. Um, the next principle that I'm going to talk about, which I think is relevant to coaching, is the mastermind principle. He's the one that coined the term. And so we hear these words masterminds all over the place. But basically what he teaches is that when two minds t- come together with a common purpose and they both want each other to win, a third mind is formed, a mastermind, where what you can do together is more powerful than what you can do alone. And so what, how I use this principle is that one-on-one coaching is a type of mastermind. Like I feel like I'm in a mastermind with my clients and our directive, our focus is their success in life, in business, in family, in health, in money, in all of it. Like we are a mastermind for them. I've also been parts of mastermind myself and I host masterminds where it's a collective group, right? So we have five, 10 15 people in a group and we come together and the collective mind becomes the third mind that Dempolian teaches. What I also love is that he even gives the example of like a husband and a wife, where when you come together with a common purpose, which is the success of your family, you have a mastermind. And he talks about some things like you have to both want the other to win. <laughs> it can't be competitive. It has to be collaborative. Um, And he talks about how it has to be consistent, right? And so what I love, when I read this, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is coaching because it's consistent, right? I meet with my clients every week. Um, It's focused on their success. So we have a common purpose and we're both positive. We have positive intent. And when that happens, like I do and often see miracles in my clients' lives, not because of anything I do necessarily, but what we can do together is so much better than them doing it alone. And so I love this principle. I live it, I breathe it, it's amazing. And so the other thing that he talks about is applied faith. And I like I am obsessed with this principle because it's not just enough to believe, right? When you believe, you act. And so he talks about applied faith a lot. And um, so I think it's interesting, you know, I feel like there's two sides of the spectrum. One is like total belief. It's all thoughts. You know, if you have a problem, think about it in your thoughts. And some people are very into strategy and action. And what I feel like applied faith speaks to is that you're going to seek out the best mentors. You're going to seek out the best path and the best strategy. And you're going to believe along the way that you're always being guided. And so I'm going to share a quote from the book, Master Key to Riches. He says, faith begins with definiteness of purpose, functioning in a mind that has been prepared for it by the development of a positive mental attitude. It attains its greatest scope of power by physical action directed toward the attainment of a definite purpose. All voluntary physical action is inspired by one or more of the nine basic motives. It is not difficult for one to develop faith in connection with the pursuit of one's desires. Let a man be motivated by love and see how quickly this emotion is given wings for action through faith. An action in pursuit of the objective of that love quickly follows. The action becomes a labor of love, which is one of the 12 riches. Let a man set his heart upon the accumulation of material riches and see how quickly his every effort becomes a labor of love. The hours of the day are not long enough for his needs, and though he labors long, he finds that fatigue is softened by the joy of self-expression, which is another of the twelve riches. Thus, one by one, the resistance of life fade into nothingness for the man who has prepared his mind for self-expression through faith. Success becomes inevitable. Joy crowns his every effort. He has no time or inclination for hatred. Harmony in human relationships comes naturally to him. His hope of achievement is high and continuous, for he sees himself already in possession of the object of his definite purpose. Intolerance has been supplanted by an open mind, 
and self-discipline becomes as natural as the eating of food. He understands people because he loves them. And because of this love, he is willing to share his blessings. Of fear, he knows nothing. For all his fears have been driven away by his faith. The 12 riches have become his own. Faith is an expression of gratitude for man's relationship to his creator. Faith is an acknowledgement of the influences of evil and it connotes a lack of belief in the creator. Or fear is an acknowledgement of the influences of evil and it connotes a lack of belief in the creator. The greatest of life's riches consists in the understanding of the four principles which I have mentioned. These principles are known as the big four of this philosophy because they are the warp and the woof and the major foundation stones of the master key to the power of thought and the inner secrets of the soul. Use this master key wisely and you shall be free. I want to tell, like, I, this line, man, faith is an expression of gratitude for man's relationship to his creator. Fear is an acknowledgement of the influences of evil, and it connotes a lack of belief in the creator. Regardless of your beliefs about God, that's one of my favorite lines in the book, because it's like, where are you putting your trust whether it's God or the universe or even principles of creation, right? Like there's something bigger than us. And when we have faith in that, we have no fear. And when we have fear, we've just misplaced our faith because we are actually just are believing that something bad's going to happen or that we're not going to be um, able to accomplish what we want, want to accomplish. I love, I mean, Napoleon Hill kind of talks old, like the way his, um, his language is, is kind of old, but hopefully you can feel like the original, like the originality of his words, like, oh, I love it. So to me, applied faith is like, you believe and because you believe you act and you keep acting until you create what you want. It's one of my favorite topics. So the only other thing he talks about is cosmic habit force, which is basically that there's laws that we don't necessarily understand that helps make things happen and we can trust it. And this, we see this in ourselves. We see this in inertia and gravity, right? And so or I'm not going to go into it, but I thought it was interesting to talk about that. Like, he talks about cosmic habit force as basically the unconscious mind playing out um, in nature as well. And then the last thing that we're going to talk about is he, his, um, his excerpt on self-discipline, which regardless of how you feel about self-discipline, you know, it's important right? Even the word discipline, just notice what comes up in your body. I know for me, the word discipline, it feels restrictive, but the way that he talks about it is actually really powerful. So I'm going to give you a little summary of what he says, but he basically teaches you how to apply self-discipline and he talks about it in order of control. So the first one is the faculty of the will. Then it's the faculty of the emotions, the faculty of reason, the faculty of imagination, the faculty of conscience, and the faculty of memory. And so he keeps going. He says, willpower, recognizing that the power of will is the supreme court over all other departments of my mind. I will exercise it daily when I need the urge to action for any purpose. And I will form habits designed to bring the power of my will into action at least once daily. Emotions, realizing that my emotions are both positive and negative. I will form daily habits, which will encourage the development of the positive emotions and aid me in converting the negative emotions into some form of useful action reason recognizing that both my positive emotions and my negative emotions may be dangerous if they are not controlled and guided to desirable ends i will submit all my desires aims and purposes to my faculty of reason and i will be guided by it in giving expression to these imagination which if you follow my work um you know that i i recommend that entrepreneurs use the power of their imagination to visualize and to imagine a better future and to live into that future as often as they can in the present moment. So this really resonated with me. 
He says, imagination, recognizing the need for sound plans and ideas for the attainment of my desires, I will develop my imagination by calling upon it daily for help in the formation of my plans. The next is conscience, recognizing that my emotions often err in their overenthusiasm and my faculty of reason often is without the warmth of feeling that is necessary to enable me to combine justice with mercy in my judgments. I will encourage my conscience to guide me as to what is right and what is wrong, but I will never set aside the verdicts it renders no matter what, they, what may be the cost of carrying them out. Memory. Recognizing the value of an alert memory, I will encourage mine to become alert by taking care to impress it clearly with all thoughts I wish to recall and by associating these thoughts with related subjects which I may call to my mind frequently. And then the subconscious mind. Recognizing the influence of my subconscious mind over my power of will, I shall take care to submit to it a clear and definite picture of my major purpose in life and all minor purposes leading to my major purpose. And I shall keep this picture constantly before my subconscious mind by repeating it daily. So those are the things that he talks about with, within self-discipline. And you guys, it's, it's tedious, but he, he talks about all these things in, in relation to your daily life. Like you summon the picture of your definite major purpose daily. You use your willpower daily. You actively summon the emotions you want daily. And to me, it sounds oversimplified. It's like, the, this is like one of those classic examples of what's easy to do is easy not to do. And to me, Napoleon Hill really emphasized like it matters what you do every day. Um, a lot of people took their morning routines from this. A lot of people, you know, have a have a regimen or a ritual of visualization, of journaling, or whatever. And to me, it doesn't really matter what you do. You can use these principles to build your own habits, your own rituals, your own routines that serve the purpose of one, keeping your definite major purpose in mind, whether it's an image or a statement, but you're focused on it. Every day you're taking that that action, applied faith, where you're getting help, you're, t- you're making things happen with, with your willpower. And by, quote, making things happen, it just means that you're using your agency to act, to physically use your body, to use your voice, to use your little thumbs to type, whatever it is, to take action that's in alignment with your definite major purpose. Um, the next thing he talks about is the mastermind. So like getting in rooms with people who would support your vision, support your definite major purpose instead of doing it alone. Um, I think that that's one of the biggest mistakes I made early on, to be honest, is trying to do it alone. You don't have to do it alone. And then the last thing is that that self-discipline. And he talks about other things in the book and I highly recommend you check it out. But The Master Key to Riches is amazing. I found it way more interesting, at least to my mind, than Think and Grow Rich. I will say his writing style is a little dry, so just be prepared. But I found a lot of value out of reading him. The next book that I um, love and recommend a lot is called Outwitting the Devil. And to me, this book has changed the way I see my own thoughts. So one of the things um, he says in the book, and it doesn't, I don't know if it was figurative or real. Like, I don't know if he actually talked to the devil or if it's just more of like a parable of him having a conversation with the devil. Either way, the principles in the book really will blow your mind. So one of the things that he talked about is drifting. And in the book, he talks about how the devil causes men, he uses men because he was it was before the <laughs> men and women, you know. So the devil basically uses my like the minds of man to drift. And so even if you're just thinking about things that are kind of important, but not really important, it can be politics or sports. It can be religion. It can be fitness. It can be anything. If you get obsessed with it and you lose your definite major purpose of creation and being a creator of your life, 
He wins. And so drifting to me can be anything that takes me away from my sovereign role as a creator. Those are my words, not, not from the book. But I think it's helpful to witness like this can show up in so many sneaky ways. If you do end up reading Outwitting the Devil, which I highly recommend you do, they go through examples of ways that you can be led astray, basically. And it's not necessarily evil. It's not bad. And that principle blew my mind because it's so easy to drift. And that's why Napoleon Hill really teaches that daily discipline, that daily practice of your definite major purpose of taking applied action or applied faith, taking action, getting support, um, visualizing, being focused, right? Because it's so easy to get distracted. And you've probably already experienced this in your own life, right? It's so easy to get distracted with even good things. And in fact, one of, um, in, in my church, Dallin H. Oaks, he has this good, better, best talk. And if you are LDS, you know this talk. It's a really powerful talk. Even if you're not, the principle is true, right? There's things that are good, there's things that are better, and there's things that are best. And sometimes we can be distracted with good things and totally neglect the things that are best, the things of our soul, the things that make us feel alive, the things that that will matter the most when we die, right? And so to me, Outwitting the Devil really painted that picture. And I'm going to read a small excerpt from from the book. And, and the part that I'm going to read is the difference between a drifter and a non-drifter. And just be really open-minded, because when I first read this, I was like, holy crap, like, I can see where I drift. So it's basically a Q&A with the devil. It's like Napoleon Hill is asking questions of the devil, which is fascinating. So the question is, go ahead and describe a typical drifter. Give your description point by point so I can recognize a drifter when I see him. That was Napoleon Hill asking. And then the devil responds, the first thing you will notice about a drifter is his total lack of major purpose in life. He will be conspicuous by his lack of self-confidence. He will never accomplish anything requiring thought and effort. He spends all he earns and more too if he can get credit. He will be sick or ailing from some real or imaginary cause and calling to high heaven if he suffers the least physical pain. He will have little or no imagination. He will lack enthusiasm and initiative to begin anything he is not forced to undertake, and he will plainly express his weakness by taking the line of least resistance whenever he can do so. He will be ill-tempered and lacking in control over his emotions. His personality will be without magnetism and will not attract other people. He will have opinions on everything, but accurate knowledge of nothing. He will be a jack-of-all-trades, but good at none. He will neglect to cooperate with those around him, even those on whom he must depend for food and shelter. He will make the same mistake over and over again, never profiting by failure. He will be narrow-minded and intolerant on all subjects, ready to crucify those who may disagree with him. He will expect everything of others, but be willing to give little or nothing in return. He may begin many things, but he will complete nothing. He will be loud in his condemnation of his government, but he will never tell you definitely how it can be improved. He will never reach decisions on anything if he can avoid it, and if he is forced to decide, he will reverse himself at the first opportunity. He will eat too much and exercise too little. He will take a drink of liquor if someone else will pay for it. He will gamble if he can do it on the cuff. He will criticize others who are succeeding in their chosen calling. In brief, the drifter will work harder to get out of thinking than most others work in earning a good living. He will tell a lie rather than admit his ignorance on any subjects. If he works for others, he will criticize them to their backs and flatter them to their faces. And so then Napoleon asks him to describe um, the non-drifter. And so this is who we want to be, right? And so this is kind of where, where I love it intersects with a lot of the personal development that we study. The first sign of a non-drifter is this. He is always engaged in doing something definite through some well-organized plan, which is definite. 
He has a major goal in life toward, toward which he is always working and many minor goals, all of which lead toward his central scheme. The tone of his voice, the quickness of his step, the sparkle in his eyes, the quickness of his, of his decisions clearly mark him as a person who knows exactly what he wants and is determined to get it no matter how long it takes or what price he must pay. If you ask him questions, he gives you direct answers and never falls back or on evasions or resorts to subterfuge. He extends many favors to others, but accepts favors sparingly or not at all. He will be found up front, whether he is playing a game or fighting a war. If he does not know the answers, he will say so frankly. He has a good memory, never offers an alibi for his shortcomings. He never blames others for his mistakes, no matter if they deserve the blame. He used to be known as a go-getter, but in modern times, he is called a go-giver. You will find him running the biggest business in town, living on the best street, driving the best car, and making his presence felt wherever he happens to be. He is an inspiration to all who come into contact with his mind. The major distinguishing feature of the non-drifter is this. He has a mind of his own and uses it for all purposes. And that's the, I mean, there's so many um, little phrases like that. But to me, that really spoke to what we talk about in this podcast and in, in other people I'm sure you study as being the creator of your life, right? Instead of being the victim to the circumstances, instead of letting the economy or your job or your education or whatever dictate how you live your life, you use your own agency, your own mind, your own sovereignty given to you to create something on purpose, not an accident, not just what, what other people allow you to do, but genuinely from your own mind, bringing forth a vision, bringing forth an idea, bringing forth a life that you want and being so focused on it and taking action toward it every day that you don't drift. And to me, there's so many different um, examples in the book, but it really helped me see how often I get distracted. It helped me see how easy it is to doubt your vision um, because you want, you know, we, we want to protect our egos or we want to feel like we're important or whatever. Um, and we forget the things that we really, really desire. It all, also helped me believe in my desires. That was another thing that I got from Outwitting the Devil, which is the things planted in my heart are important for me to bring forth. And so part of my work is to be really clear and honest with myself about what I want and make that my definite major purpose. And so my, my hope for you, that was a major theme in today is like your definite major purpose is one, to explore your definite major purpose if you haven't done so. Um, it's to be of service to others on some level. I think that our life is meant for us to use our divine gifts to serve as many people as we can. And that can look a lot of different ways. It can be art, it can be music, it can be coaching, it can be organization. Um, but wherever comes to mind, like what is your definite major purpose? Cause you're here to help other people. You are here to make a difference. And if you get distracted from that, it's okay, come back. That's what I love about having a definite major purpose is you can always come back to it. And um, hopefully Napoleon Hill gave you a lot of tools. I know he did for me too. So I hope this was helpful. I hope you love Napoleon Hill as much as I do. And I will see you in another episode of Meet My Mentor. Hey, if you love this podcast, I know you'd love The Matrix. It's my group coaching program. I feel like it is the inner path of entrepreneurship. If you feel like entrepreneurship has opened you up to ideas of spirituality and mindset, where you feel like you need to challenge your old way of thinking and you want to do it in a group setting with me, The Matrix is the place. So I coach live every week. You get access to all my programs. It's an incredible opportunity to do this work of entrepreneurship together, and I would love to see you in there. Head to www.itsambersmith.com forward slash matrix to find out more and to join us today.